Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Coletto. Welcome back. It's good to be back. My name is Tim, your host of the Join My League Football Podcast. I, I know this is being released a couple of days later than even I expected, but work happens. You know, when you go on vacation for a week or so, when you come back, the work is kind of just waiting for you. That's what happened. It kind of delayed everything. I was trying very hard to get an episode released by late Wednesday. I was unable to cover everything that I wanted to, so I didn't want to jump out. So finally, episode five is here. It's Friday, the 14th of September, and you know what? You better get used to it because I made the decision to publish episodes every Friday for at least the rest of the season. You know, releasing an episode every Wednesday during the season, it's a little more convenient for me. But things happen so fast in the NFL that if I release an episode on Wednesday, by the time Sunday rolls around, so much has happened that my episode seems more outdated than Eminem's new album. I'm just kidding. I actually like his new album a lot, but that's not what we're here for. I can't believe how much has happened since the last episode of Join My League two weeks ago. Khalil Mack traded to the Bears. Le'Veon Bell's holdout that's lasting into the season. And I've got to make it a point to mention that Teddy Bridgewater was traded to the New Orleans Saints, which I accurately half predicted a couple of episodes ago. The Browns didn't lose. I said the Browns didn't lose. They're not going 0-16 this year. So much has happened, it's insane. All that said, I had a fantastic vacation. I drove up to my hometown outside of Chicago, Illinois last Saturday, and I stayed there until Monday before hitting the road to northern Wisconsin, just before hitting the border. I thought it was Canada up there, but apparently there's more to Michigan than the glove we see on a map. It's like a bridge at the north border of Michigan that goes beyond the glove, and then there's like a whole other part of Michigan west above Wisconsin. I didn't know that. I hope that wasn't common knowledge, but if it is, I guess I need to work on my geography. I never claimed to be an expert at studying maps, okay? But as expected, while on vacation, the cell phone service was horrendous, so I was unable to get in the fifth prediction of the week last uh, for week one, but I will say that I took the Jaguars straight up. I also thought about taking the Giants with the point they were given. I think it was like three or three and a half or something. They were getting three points, but straight up, I ended going three and two for the week, which isn't the start I was hoping for, but definitely could have been worse. You know, I was looking at the game like, okay, well, the Giants are at home. Kind of expect Saquon Barkley to keep the Jacksonville defense honest. Might open up the passing game a little bit to allow for more offensive points. You know, while the Giants did lose, they remained in the game against the defensive powerhouse, which is a very good sign. You know, they're still going to remain towards the bottom of the NFC East the remainder of the year, but they've got a lot of potential in the future. You look at Saquon Barkley, his stat line, rather impressive, 106 yards on 18 carries. 5.9 yards per carry. That yards per carry was helped tremendously by a 68-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter, but still, you you put up 106 yards in your first game of your career against a top defense in the NFL, and it's going to be exciting to see Barkley's progress and how good he actually can be. The same goes for the Jaguars as a team. How good can they actually be this season? I I expect a drop-off from last season because... Blake Bortles is 100% grade A trash. And if Leonard Fournette struggles to stay healthy this year, and I bring this up because he's already dealing with, I I believe it's a hammy. He's a game-time decision Sunday against the Patriots. They need him in there to produce. So if he struggles to stay healthy at all this year, I don't care 
how good of a defense Jacksonville has. If they don't get any offensive help, it's going to be a complete waste of a season. They're not going to touch what they did last year, so he needs to stay healthy. But the Jaguars went to New York. They got what they wanted, which was a W. And backtracking a little bit to the season opener in Philadelphia, I took the Eagles straight up. Much like the divisional playoff game from last year, the Eagles won a game they probably should have lost. A complete disaster for three quarters from both teams. 26 penalties called in the first game of the year. Insane, you know? It's easy to point the fingers at the officials and say, well, you gotta let them play ball. But I watched that game, okay? Most of the flags that were thrown from what I noticed were just. The players were extremely sloppy. And maybe you can attribute that to being, you know, the first game of the year. First first game jitters, stuff like that. So it might take a couple of weeks to adjust. But as far as the Eagles go, their offense was flat. Is that any reason to be concerned? You know, in short, I'm not too concerned with the Eagles offense yet, but I will be monitoring it closely, especially in week two when the Eagles travel to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers who, by the way, absolutely demolished the Saints' defense. The Bucks' defense did allow Drew Brees to put up 40 points. And while I don't expect to see Nick Foles lead the Eagles to that many points, I do expect some improvement from the offense of Philadelphia while we patiently wait for the return of Carson Wentz. The Falcons, on the other hand, I am a little bit concerned. They were my predicted number one seed and looked anything but that in the first game of the year. Their play calling was bad and their red zone offense was pitiful. That was their demise last season. They didn't straighten it out. They had a whole offseason to straighten it out, and they couldn't do anything in the first game of the year. Their two trips to the red zone Thursday night resulted in three points, zero targets for Julio Jones. Their best player, zero targets, off two red zone trips. The Falcons, they would have convincingly won that game if they had even converted two red zone trips into touchdowns, just like the divisional playoff game last year. Instead, they took six red zone trips for the game, turned that into 13 points, an interception, and a turnover on downs. The same problem they had last year continues to be an issue. If this is not corrected, it's going to be a long year for Atlanta. Not the most impressive win for the Eagles, but I'm sure they'll be satisfied with a 1-0 start. Now, I'll be honest here, this next game really gave my ego a black eye, a real shiner. Because out of the five games I predicted for week one, I was most confident in this one. I expected an improved Chargers defense, and instead they let the Chiefs walk onto their field in L.A. explode for 38 points. Chargers offense looked pretty good. Phillip Rivers, minus one interception, he put up some real impressive numbers. Over 400 yards and three touchdowns. It's the kind of numbers I'm expecting from him this season. So the offense overall looked good. But I do expect a little more progress from the running game. Melvin Gordon saw the majority of the work. He averaged just over four yards a carry. It's not too concerning. Like I said, you expect more. The Chiefs, on the other hand. Patrick Mahomes era, that couldn't have started out better. Second year pro, Patrick Mahomes. 256 yards, four touchdowns. Thanks in large part to Tyreek Hill. So it goes without saying, if you have... Tyreek Hill on your fantasy football roster. You've got to start him every game from here on out. He's got potential to be a top wide receiver in this league and a top player too. He's got the potential to be a top player, top scorer. Chiefs hope to remain hot next week when they travel to Pittsburgh to take on the surprisingly winless Steelers. Chargers have a chance to redeem themselves next week on the road in Buffalo to take on the Bills. 
I'm not throwing it in my picks, but I'll tell you right now, I'm taking the Chargers, and so are 95% of other people. The other 5%, they're either Bills fans or they don't know anything. Because if you lose to the Bills, you should be thrown out of the league. They're that bad this year. And if the Chargers lose to the Bills, I'm turning the mic off, man. I'm deleting this whole podcast. You guys will never hear from me again. That Chargers loss dropped me to 2-1 and one heading into Sunday night. It's Packers-Bears. Not much to say about that. That hasn't already been said. I'm very lucky, very lucky to be 3-2 and because I could easily be 2-3 and three if the Bears didn't completely screw it up. Defense of the Chicago Bears with the addition of Khalil Mack makes this defense a lot better. He only had three combined tackles in his first game as a Bear, but he also had, and get ready for this stat line, a sack, an interception, a pass deflection, a fumble force, a fumble recovery, and a defensive touchdown. The Bears absolutely won their part of the trade with Oakland, and their defense should be good for a long time after giving Mack a six-year extension shortly after the trade was finalized. Unfortunately, Khalil Mack's video game stat line wasn't enough because, well, Aaron Rodgers happened, you know? Aaron Rodgers on one leg happened. He helped the Packers score 21 points in the fourth quarter, sneaking past the Bears 24-23. Now, this game taught me one thing, and it also confirmed to me one thing I already knew. Number one, I learned the Bears are no joke. The way they bullied the Packers around in Lambeau in the first half tells me that they're no walkover. They're no walkthrough. They're no longer an auto win for any NFL team. And if this offense can take the next step, they could be a surprise playoff team this year. I don't necessarily expect that to happen, especially not after one game, but I think they're a lot closer to the playoffs than people outside of Chicago realize. I think come 2019, next season, they may be a force. Number two, and hopefully if you're a Packer fan, you're not in denial about this, but Sunday night confirmed to me that this Packer team is absolutely 100% grade A trash. Said it 100 times, at least 100 times. You can only rely on Rodgers doing Rodgers things for so long before it catches up to you. And his status for the Sunday night game against, or I'm sorry, the Sunday afternoon game against the Vikings isn't certain. You know, he might miss that game. And if he does, the Packers are in big trouble. Even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. They might be in trouble. Because if he does play, the Vikings are going to get to him one way or the other. Even if he plays the whole game out of a shotgun, which I expect he would if he does play, but even if he plays the entire game out of the shotgun, the Vikings are still going to get to him. Doesn't matter if it's a sack or a quarterback hurry, or a hit, they're going to find a way to make him uncomfortable, and they're too good. So if I were the Packers, I'm probably sitting him, because if you're not healthy enough to be out there, you shouldn't be out there. And I'm not talking, you know, a sprained knee is nothing, is nothing to mess with. But if they do play him, they do have a chance to win. Is it really worth it? We'll have to wait and find out. All that said, the Packers did get the win. They advanced to 1-0 on one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen in my entire life. Moving on to the Monday night game, I dread discussing this because how can you pick a team to win a game and cover by seven points but get blown out the way the Lions did Monday night? I'm embarrassed and my ego hurts. I was talking to somebody after I recorded the last show. They said, why'd you pick the Lions? And I responded with, well, because... And I proceeded to break down the game in a way that made it seem like the Lions had the upper hand. You want to take a guess at how this person responded? And I quote, Yeah, but it's the Lions. That should have been all I needed to hear to back off, 
maybe believe that, you know what? They are just the Lions. Pick a different game. Pick a different team. Pick the Jets. Any, anybody with the Lions. Anybody with the Browns. Anybody with the Bills. Stay away from those teams and pick and, again, you know, pick and for them. That makes no sense, and I'm stupid to have done that. I feel like an idiot. And I really wish I remembered who I was having that conversation with because they deserve props and rec- recognition for putting me in my stupid place. So if the person I was having that conversation with, if you're listening, let me know, and I'll give you props next time because you deserve it. Idiot. You know, the only positive thing I could say about that performance is Matthew Stafford toughest quarterback I've seen play the game since Brett Favre. That line of Detroit is going to get him killed. Stafford took shot after shot and kept getting back up. Shots to the knees, to the kidneys, you name it, he took it and he got up and he came back in and he threw another interception. The Lions staff should have taken him out of the game once the Jets scored seven of their 31 third quarter points. Just bad coaching by Matt Patricia. However, I will say that I don't believe the Jets are as good as they looked, and I don't believe the Lions are as bad as they looked. And hopefully, it will become more clear over the coming weeks. And hopefully, my lousy 3-2 prediction a record will too. And I'm going to get into uh, week two picks just a little bit, but a couple of things I noticed uh, throughout week one, an exciting week one. And this first thing isn't really uh, up for discussion. It's not really a debate or anything like that, but it's just an interesting statistic. Every new first-year head coach from week one lost. We already talked about the Giants, Bears, and Lions all losing. And what do they have in common? New head coaches from a year ago. But to add to that list of losers, you got Mike Vrabel of the Titans, Frank Reich of the Colts, Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals, and of course, John Gruden with the Raiders. That's 0-7. It's pretty bad. You know what else is bad? Me. You know, my ego has taken quite the beating this week. And I have to say it's on life support at this point because I picked the Oakland Raiders to be the sixth and final team in the playoffs. The sixth team, the wild card spot, they were getting it in the playoffs. And they looked pathetic Monday night against the Rams. You know, if I could take back that particular playoff prediction, I would in a second. But I'm not going to do that because, at the very least, we'll all get a good laugh at my expense when we're reviewing playoff predictions and draft order, and we'll see the Raiders with a top-five pick a few months from now. I think a lot of people laughed at the Raiders, said that they got the crap end of the Khalil Mack trade, but I disagree. The Raiders finished 23rd last year in total defense with Khalil Mack. They're going to pay him what the Bears paid him, $141 million. $90 million of that guaranteed. They're going to pay him that just to finish outside the top 20 again? That wouldn't make any sense. So what'd they do? They shipped him to Chicago, and they received the Bears' first-round pick this year, the Bears' first-round pick next year, while also receiving an additional third-round pick, while also receiving an additional sixth-round pick, while also saving all that money because now they don't have to pay him $20 million a year. It's hard to say whether they actually lost that trade That's not going to be determined until the Oakland Raiders are the Las Vegas Raiders because it's going to take a couple of years for us to see what kind of talent the Raiders bring in with the Bears draft picks. Another concern I have lies in the state of Pennsylvania. The colors are yellow and black. They're missing arguably their best player because of a holdout. Teams as dysfunctional as I've ever seen them. But that's not the only reason I'm concerned with the Pittsburgh Steelers. No, no, no. I'm not exactly concerned with Le'Veon Bell's holdout. 
or their offensive line publicly calling him out for not reporting to the team. I'm concerned with Ben Roethlisberger. Two, five turnover games in a one-year span for Big Ben. Three turnovers against the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs last year. I'm beginning to think the end is near for Ben. Closer than a lot of us think, at the very least. And on top of that, he hurt his elbow. Max Kellerman of ESPN's first take said we've already seen the end of him. I'm not exactly sure I agree with that. I I think we're seeing a decline from an older player. The kind of decline that we expect to see from older players, but not necessarily the end. Max also said that, you know, most people, a lot of people, used to look at Big Ben and think sometimes we'd put him among the elite. A top five quarterback, a sometimes top uh, top five quarterback, like he said, and now we don't expect that Ben Roethlisberger any longer. I think that's 100% right, but I do think he still has something left in the tank, and it helps that he has unbelievable offensive talent surrounding him. You know, Jake, Jake, uh, James Conner, he ran the ball extremely well for the Steelers in place of Bell last week, and even with that help in the running game, Ben still threw for four interceptions and fumbled once. His protection wasn't the greatest, fine, you know, allowing four sacks and all, but if you just watch him play, you can see that he's not the same quarterback he was three years ago. His quarterback rating has dropped each of the last three years, and he hasn't played a full season since, I, I believe, 2014. And that's bad news. It's real bad news when your backup quarterback, Joshua Dobbs, has never thrown a single NFL pass. The only thing that makes me feel a little bit better about the game Sunday, the tie Sunday against the Browns, is that one, Cleveland is improved. You know, they do have a lot of talent. And two, the conditions were extremely sloppy in Cleveland. So we'll see what the Steelers are made of this week. When they take on the Chiefs, they're going to host the Chiefs, who were as impressive as the Steelers were sloppy. And they take on each other in week two. I can't wait to see how that one turns out. All right, welcome to the first edition of the Stacks Fantasy Football Pickup of the Week, presented by yours truly, with the help of the man, the myth, the legend, John Foyles, a.k.a. J.F. Stacks, a.k.a. Stacks, or simply Foyles. One of my very best friends from childhood, John wanted a part in the podcast when I set it up, but the problem is John lives 700 miles away, so he offered uh, to give me some fantasy advice, and now he gets his own segment. So it's the best I could do. He's just going to have to deal with it. John's really just a nobody. He... Uh, neglects his wife and kids all the time all he does is read up and study the game of football simply to bet he's a degenerate you know he's the definition of a football nerd and the definition of a nerd in general so you really can be confident if you're lucky enough to grab his free agent slash waiver wire ad of the week who just so happens to be running back philip Lindsay from the denver broncos congratulations if you were lucky enough to snag him and if he's still on your available players list go at him immediately because while their current depth chart has Lindsay listed as a number three running back behind uh, royce freeman and Devonte booker his role going forward isn't going to be that of a traditional third string in fact i expect him to take over the second string duties behind uh royce freeman and ahead of Devonte booker in the coming weeks Lindsay and freeman they both carried the rock 15 times they both ran for 71 yards but it was Lindsay who did the damage in the passing game catching two balls and one for a touchdown He's not going to completely take over the Broncos' backfield, for those of you who drafted Freeman as your number uh, number two running back. He's still going to see plenty of field, but 
Lindsey is going to be a help in the passing game, so you want to make sure you can pick him up if you're able to, especially in PPR leagues. An honorable mention for the Stacks Fantasy Football Pickup of the Week is Geronimo Allison. And here we are, ladies and chumps. It's almost time to wrap up, but before I do, I've got to try and improve that 3-2 and two record from last week, so let's get to some picks. And let me start by saying that I've been pretty hard on myself uh, over the 3-2 and two record for the year so far, and just know that as difficult as it is to predict the outcomes of Week 1 games, Week 2 proves to be even more tough to predict. Take Tampa Bay, for example, with that bum, Ryan Fitzpatrick. The way he and the Bucks rolled over the Saints' defense in New Orleans, that was extremely surprising to most people. Can we expect a repeat against the defending champs in Tampa? Probably not, but it does make you think. Can we expect the Steelers to play as awful again this week as they did against Cleveland at home? Not exactly, but they're playing the Chiefs, and they looked extremely impressive against everyone's hot pick this year the chargers you know chargers were a lot of people's pick to win the conference and chiefs wiped the floor with them so week two is difficult we didn't expect that kind of play from the pittsburgh steelers the kansas city chiefs or the tampa bay buccaneers so we don't know if it's a fluke or not i think week two is uh is difficult because we don't know and it's going to tell us we just got to get through it and things are going to become a lot more clear heading into week three i really wish i could break down the vikings packers game because that, to me, is the second best game of the week. It's impossible to break it down, though, without knowing the status of Aaron Rodgers. So instead, we're talking Washington and Indianapolis. Washington is currently a six-point favorite on five dimes and a five-and-a-half favorite on betonline.ag. Andrew Luck, he had to throw the ball 53 times last week, and they had a hard time running the ball against a talented Cincinnati front. I expect a similar result against an equally talented Redskins front who held David Johnson to 37 rushing yards. Redskins also looked sharp on offense. Alex Smith, he targeted mostly tight ends and running backs. But, you know, playing a Colts defense that currently, or that last year, they ranked 28th against the pass, they've done little to suggest they've cleaned that up. They've done little to suggest that they've improved. So maybe, just maybe, the Redskins wideouts uh, could get a little more involved. I'm staying away from the spread on this one, but there may be some valuable in taking the Colts with the points considering Andrew Luck can blow up and explode at any time, even given the fact that he has very little to work with on offense. But I'm going to take the Redskins straight up. They'll move to 2-0 while dropping Indy to 0-2. Up next, one of the ugliest and unattractive games of the week, Houston travels up north to take on the Tennessee Titans. The spread on this one is all over the place. Five Dimes. Five Dimes has the Titans listed as one-point favorites, and Bet Online has the Titans listed as two-point underdogs. I thought my eyes were deceiving me, so unless it was a mistake, it is what it is. I double-checked, I triple-checked. That's what it said. It was, it's kind of crazy. So I'm staying away from that. If you want to bet on the line, keep up with that line until game time. But consecutive road games to start the season's rough. Deshaun Watson played like a rookie, which isn't really that surprising since he barely had a rookie year at all, and maybe Rust was a little bit of a factor. But the thing that concerns me most with the Texans is their offensive line. It's got awful. The Titans could have uh, Watson running for his life. Texans, they ran the ball extremely well against the Patriots last week, and Miami had some success running on Tennessee. You know, overall, the Texans are the more talented team. They're the more well-rounded team. And I think I'm going to lean in their direction because 
I look at an ailing Marcus Mariota, uh, Delaney Walker being out for the year. I don't, I don't trust Tennessee. I really don't. I didn't even trust them last year. I was kind of surprised they made the playoffs last year. I don't think they're that good. So I'm taking the Texans to get to 1-1 one and one after all is said and done. Going with Houston straight up here, and uh, just watch that line before you make any bets. Moving on to the game of the week, the Jacksonville Jaguars host the New England Patriots in a rematch of last year's AFC title game. The line is Patriots minus one on five dimes, and Bet Online has the Patriots listed as two-point favorites. New England is rarely in a spot where they're giving up so little points. So based on value alone, you've got to go with the Patriots and whatever points they're giving up to Jacksonville. Straight up's a little different. You know, Jacksonville, they you know they've had this game circled on their schedule since late January. And I think they come to play. I really do. Jalen Ramsey had some choice words for Rob Gronkowski recently, as he has said just about everybody else in the league. It's time to put up or shut up for that guy. As personally, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jacksonville walk away with a victory here, but I need to see it happen before I pick it. I think the Pats get just creative enough to steal another win. On Sunday night, and I'm going to make this one quick because it's kind of a snoozer on paper. Uh, we're going to get the Cowboys hosting the Giants. <sighs> really? <laughs> I'm sick of that shit. Not the most intriguing Sunday night game of all time, but we all know how much the NFL loves the NFC East. So that's what we're getting. Two sloppy offenses from a week ago are going to take on each other in a primetime game. You know, someone's got to step up, and I guess I'm going to go with the Giants. They played the Jaguars' stout defense tough last week. Squan Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr., they could take a lot of pressure off Eli Manning. And for the Cowboys to win, they're going to have to run the ball 40 times a week, you know, 40 times this week with Ezekiel Elliott. Because I'm not sure about Dak Prescott anymore. I don't think anyone is. He's not, he cannot carry this team, especially when there's no clear cut number one wide receiver. I guess that's what happens when you cut your number one wide receiver. Give me the Giants. And the three points that they're getting, they're getting three points on five dimes and on bet online. So give me the Giants and the points. Second time this year I'm taking the Giants to cover, so they better not screw it up. It's going to lead us to Monday night game. If you can't tell, I'm going to be picking the Sunday night and Monday night games every week throughout the season. So this week we'll see the Bears and the Seahawks battle it out in Chi-Town. I'm sure the Bears and their fans cannot wait for this game to start. If they can come away with a victory, it'll rid some of that bad taste in their mouths from that week one meltdown. The line is minus three for Chicago on five dimes and bet online, so it's a pretty even game overall if you believe Vegas. But I'm going to look at the Seahawks here, and I see them again, like I discussed with the Texans earlier. Consecutive road games is tough. Played the Broncos in mile high last week. They have to travel across country to Chicago this week, and it's not going to help knowing they're going to be without Doug Baldwin for a few weeks. The Bears, on the other hand, dominated Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for three quarters. I think they can do it for four quarters against Russell Wilson. I think Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears' offense, all they have to do is put up just enough points against the Seattle defense that, as we saw against Denver, they've got plenty of holes to exploit. I'm going to take the Bears to bounce back in a big way. Give me Chicago and the points. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Join My League. How do your picks compare to mine? Drop me a line. Let me know. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Available everywhere. If you like, share, follow, subscribe. Just tell your friends. Share the heck out of everything. It doesn't matter. Just tell everybody. Tell everybody you know. It's not really that hard. So remember, 
Fridays from here on out. So I'll see you next week and enjoy week two.